Well, friends, this is part two of Mark Greenwood, and we're about to tackle three big questions of faith, particularly to Mark, who is a Christian speaker, a Christian communicator, and what they call an apologist, I believe they call it, where he answers questions or defends uh, the Christian faith. So this is all about understanding. It's not about putting beliefs on anybody. Uh, You are welcome to believe what you choose to believe. But as Mark said in the original episode, it's good to at least think through what we believe and why we believe it, which is the very reason uh, I've invited Mark and uh, and other guests in the future to do this kind of uh, podcast. Now, listen, Mark runs a course called Reasonable to Believe, which he runs in churches across the country. And uh, we're going to tackle three of the questions covered in that course. Now, as Mark says, uh, he's answering these questions in a snippet of the time that he would uh, when he leads the course. And even then, uh, it's restricted to answer such big questions about the earth and uh, about the world. But nonetheless, he does a great job. My first question to Mark was this. uh, How can we believe in a God that we cannot see? So these presentations are 50 minutes normally. Yeah. And even then you feel you're not able to say everything. So here's the six hour podcast coming up. (laughs) Absolutely right. Absolutely. So we'll uh, we'll headline it. I, I honestly think that most of, most of us believe in things mm. we've never seen. Okay, so actually, I think it's a question that is often um, asked of Christians, which I feel is an unfair question, because um, you're saying <clears throat> essentially that uh, that question implies you can't believe in God because you can't see Him, or I can't believe in God because I can't see Him. Whereas I would posture we all believe in lots of things that we didn't see. Let me give an example, and I just want to make this statement here when I'm, I'm not trying to debate the Big Bang Theory versus, um, you know, the, Bi- the Bible's version of how we got here. Yeah. Okay, I'm just using this as an example. Um, so a friend of mine said to me many years ago now, he said, Mike, the problem is I can't believe in something that I cannot see. So I said to him, no, okay, fair dues. How do you think we got here? And he said, the Big Bang. I went, okay, okay. So was it loud? He said, what do you mean, was it loud? I said, well, was it bright? He said, what do you mean, was it bright? I said, did it make you jump? He said, why are you you asking me these things? I wasn't there. I said, oh, sorry, mate, I thought you were. He said, why would you think that? I said, because you told me you can only believe in things you can't see. And then you tell me you believe in the Big Bang, so I just thought you've seen it. Does that (laughs) make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's what I'm trying to say is... We, we all believe in things we have no first-hand evidence of mm. and the nearest we get is to listening to somebody else who doesn't have first-hand evidence of it tell us why we should believe. Fascinating. Does yeah, that yeah, make sense? Yeah. And so in actual fact, I would argue that with Christianity, there are at least documents from people that have had first-hand evidence of some of the things that Christianity talks about. So I would say actually there's greater philosophical and logical Mm. reason for believing in Christianity even though you can't see God. That's a very quick answer, so... Very good. No, well, we'll we'll, we'll give a link. Do you you still run these courses? Yeah, absolutely. The DVDs are available to buy. Not that I'm necessarily trying to advertise my way. No, it's good, it's good. Um, we'll, we'll put a link in the, in the notes yeah. uh, for, for those. Um, secondly then, is it, is it reasonable to believe? And this is a big one, I think, mm. that comes up all the time. Yeah. Uh, as you said, we live in a turbulent world. We live in a world yeah. of 
great suffering in many places, yes. and yeah. both personally and uh, internationally, globally, I guess. Yeah. Um, is it reasonable then to believe in a God of love uh, that we've spoken of mm -hmm. in a world that's upside down? Yeah. And probably going to take slightly longer, if I may, Tom, to yeah, answer dude. this one than I did the previous one. I wonder why. <laughs> let's have a let's, let's get the listeners to, to ping in why that might be. I, okay, so let me let me say a couple of things. I, I don't want to be so clinical about. I will be clinical. I don't want to be so clinical about this to make it look that I don't struggle with this issue myself. Yeah. All right. Because I often say um, I have a conviction about the reality of God, not a belief. A belief is something you hold. A conviction is something that holds you. Okay. I have a conviction yeah. about the reality of God, not a belief about him. Okay. So actually, for me as a Christian, that makes it even more difficult mm -hmm. for me because I have a conviction of the reality of God. I also know the reality of suffering. So I can't escape either. So how do I... How do I live and hold those two in tension? Yeah. Uh, and I would say, many people ask the question, how do you believe in a God of love in a world of suffering? Well, of course, that question's only a problem if you believe that God's not just a God of love, but an all-powerful God. Yeah. Because if he's a God of love but not powerful, he could want to do something but can't do something. Yeah. If he's a God of all power but not love, he, he got the power to do something, but why should he bother? Yeah, that's a massive question. <laughs> it's a massive question. Yeah. So actually, you have to bring in to the equation, you can't just say, how can you believe in a God of love in a world of suffering? You have to say, how can you believe in a God of, of love and all-powerful mm. in a world of suffering? Okay, so that's the first thing I think only makes the question valid. Okay. Now, I think David Attenborough is amazing. I don't agree with him on lots of what he says. I'm not suggesting that he's the one that's wrong there. I'm just suggesting yeah, yeah. that. But the one thing I do agree with him on, um, he said, um, the greatest risk to our planet is humans. Wow, okay. Yeah. And that was said in, there was a program some years ago where I think it was in the sub-Saharan continent that mm. we were looking at how the activity around the world contributes to a lot of, uh, the difficulty, the suffering and the pain there, but also around the world. And it was in that programme he said it. And that, I, I imagine that's quite a shared opinion now with, with climate change and all that stuff going yeah, on. It's, I mean, it's, it's right in common. There's some good conversation Absolutely. on that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I once read this article, I, <clears throat> I, I, I can't substantiate the statistics, but it was suggested that 95% of the suffering in the world can be attributed in some way to human activity. Okay. I think I probably agree <laughs> with yeah. that. Okay, now there are bits of suffering, and I'm going to be really careful, I'm not going to highlight any particular kind of suffering because if anybody's listening to this who's going through a particular kind of suffering, mm. I don't want to appear to be this kind of ac academic, reasonable person who's got no heart. Yeah. Um, but there are bits of suffering that I can't get my head around. But I think most of the suffering I see, I can identify as being in some way linked to human error human activity or human selfishness. Yeah. So let's suppose God woke up tomorrow morning. Now there's theological problems with that because it's humans he's been asleep to start with. <laughs> but just run with the illustration, Tom. Do run with the wow, illustration. we're getting deep here. We're, we're getting, getting very so deep. deep. <laughs> but let's just imagine God tomorrow thinks, yeah, you're right. It's about time I got rid of all the suffering in the world. Where would you propose God starts? And where would you propose God stops? Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I don't think he'd start with me, but he wouldn't stop with me. Let's suppose I'm on my way home today, 
and uh, you text me and say, hey Greeny, thanks so much for your time. It's not a hint, by the way, I'm not crazy. <laughs> hey, yeah, absolutely, yeah, don't yourself on that one. <laughs> thanks for your time, been really, really helpful. Best podcast guest I've had. No, I clearly want to say that. Right. I say that to every guest. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, at the time I'm going through a contraflow of 50 mile an hour speed limit, the text comes in and I catch the text at the corner of my eye. Oh, it's Tom, corner of my eye, oh, it's Tom, wonder what he says. I look at that text. That brief moment in time is enough for me to um, to, to to plow through a contraflow system through the mm. cones to to wipe a workman out. We we see those adverts, don't we, on the motorway? He's telling us yeah. to drive carefully because my wife and kids want to see me tonight. We hear lots of stories of people who've been texting on their mobile phones um, whilst in charge of a vehicle. Are those people? inherently evil are they setting out to be evil to do an evil act i would argue your text was actually out of fondness it's out of a good place mm. so you're sending something in innocence out of kindness to express how um thankful you are encouragement to say thanks for coming down again it's not a hint but you're sending <laughs> it for good motives but you've caused suffering by sending the text so you haven't got a chance mate yeah okay <laughs> i haven't got a chance <clears throat> Mobile phone companies, that given potential for suffering. It, you can go back and back and back and back. And if God was to get rid of all suffering, he would have to get rid of all current suffering and all potential for suffering. So that presents where, a problem. Yeah, yeah, where does he start? Where does he stop? And of course, as the final thing on this, Tom, because I, I can, it's a multifaceted answer. I could talk for ages and ages and ages. Um, but why, why would our solution of God dealing with suffering be the best solution? Because we're saying, well, of course, the best way to deal with suffering is just to get rid of it all. Yeah. And, and actually, that's coming from a whole bunch of people that cause most of the suffering in the world. So I think we're probably not best place to say how suffering needs to be dealt. I hope in some light-hearted or light-touch way that just give some of the listeners something to, to think about. It's much more complicated than that, but hopefully, where would he start, where would he stop? Well, we'll, we'll do another 25,000 podcasts <laughs> for you to, uh, to do that. But, uh, okay, final question then on, yeah. on this one. Is, that, is it reasonable to believe that we can just do what feels right yeah. uh, to us? I, I think this is probably a fair big question in today's society. Mm, mm. There's a lot of uh, promotion around this kind of <clears throat> thinking. Yeah. Um, is, is it reasonable to believe that we can do what we feel is right? Yeah, yeah. So I have a reasonably positive outlook on most of humanity and that they're decent folk. Yeah. I do, I do honestly believe that. And I think most folk are giving it their best shot in life and they're trying not to hurt too many people along the way. And so whilst in the intellectual corridors the question is um, postured, Hmm. Why can't I do what just what feels right? I don't think most people live their life that way. Most people live their life as I do what feels right so long as it <clears throat> doesn't hurt someone else. Yeah. So immediately we've got a parameter in there. Immediately there's, there's a condition. There's immediately something within us that has a moral imperative, an ethical imperative to how we live in terms of how it affects other people. And I would argue... We, a lot of the suffering in the world that we hinted at in the last subject is as a result of p what people doing just what feels right. Yeah. It's funny how skewed we get. I, I read just this couple of weeks ago that the person who invented the plastic bags 
I think he died recently. And I didn't know this, but do you know why he invented the plastic bags? Go on. He invented plastic bags because everything was paper up until then, and he was concerned about deforestation oh, and all wow. the use of paper. Isn't that incredible that what was a solution is now a problem? Yeah. And I right. just, I found, I didn't realise that. It was literally, mate, in the and last yet, two or three and weeks. And done with a good heart and a good... Yeah. And now we're saying the solution to the plastic is paper. So he's done with good intentions, yeah. but impossible to know what the outcome of those intentions would be. And I, we might argue that they're not the outcomes of his intentions. I think, you know, it's like the person who split the atom. Mm. If he realised, who was that? I forgot, is it Einstein? I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, it's one of those fellas, isn't it? Yeah. We should know this. We'll edit this in. We'll edit this in. <laughs> you could just say <laughs> He was whoever he was. Uh, but the person who split the atom, um, split it for positive reasons, mm. would never plan for a, to produce an atom bomb that would destroy people. And so, so often a lot of good intentions um, do what feels right, um, whilst they may be right at the time, don't always have good outcomes. We don't have that luxury. I think we need a moral framework. Can I give you another little illustration? You can, you've got 25 Excellent. minutes. That's brilliant. Ignore the clock. Okay, now, I want, I want to stay, I'll be disciplined. A friend of mine, ex-professional footballer called mm. Phil, he was telling me this story. Um, now, the facts of this story, I can't remember exactly, um, so if it's slightly wrong, um, forgive me. But essentially, I'm pretty sure it was some kind of um, Sunday morning charity game okay but it was a like an official fa game it might have been between like the you know these sort of higher league sunday leagues that are part of the fa and some of these some of these football teams can eventually get through to the fa cup so it yeah, was yeah. a proper football match well they they were all ready to play and the referee wasn't there he um, he got delayed and so they thought oh well let's just go ahead with the game anyway and so these football players all went ahead, again, went ahead with the game. And, mate, they were fouling each other. Somebody picked up the ball and ran with it. And they were playing just terrible because the referee wasn't there to ensure that the code of practice to give the best game was adhered to. The referee turned up in the half-time and they played the second half with the referee there. And all the players adhered to the code, adhered to the rules. And they all said after that the first half was the worst game of football and the second half of the best game of football. Wow, okay. What was the reason? Because everybody did what felt right <laughs> at the time and there was nobody else there enforcing the rules. Wow. See, okay. I think we thrive best as human beings mm. when we have a code of practice to live up to. That's yeah. why society works best when there are laws in society. It's interesting, I just read an article just this week, a couple of days ago actually, and uh, again, forgive me if I'm a little bit erroneous in this because it was just a quick read, but it was it was how some of the, the new atheists, mm. um, some of the questions arising from new atheism comes from the perspective actually, wouldn't it be great if we could just do away with God and just allow people to get on and be society? Yeah. And there's this recognition now that actually by um, the notion of there being no God, even as even as legalistic as somebody watching me, doing away with that that kind, that of, kind of phrasing, phrasing yeah, yeah, has actually released people just to do more of of what they want in their own eyes, and it's a suggestion that you know actually the world's not a better place for mm. it, the UK's not a better place for it, it's a worse place 
for it. So I think the notion of just... I guess the do what you want thing is all very well if that person's righteous in every way and and creates has all the answers and all the right things. But even then, you know, like if that person's righteous in every way denotes that there's a right way to live. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And then if there's a right way to live, where does that come from? Mm. Where is that ethos? So, um, yeah, quick answers. I hope they've helped a little bit, Tom. Absolutely. No, thank you ever so much. Um, Mark, tell us, um, one of the things you talk about in your... Uh, as you kind of speak about the Christian faith, yeah. you talk about ways in which to respond. Talk yeah. us a little bit about that for, for people that perhaps want to look closer. Yeah, yeah. Whether yeah. they want to go the full way or not, I, I don't know. Yeah. But for those people, perhaps give us some of that language that you, yeah. you share. Certainly. No, so this has come, um, this language has come from this tension for almost as long as I've been kind of speaking about God and the Christian faith. Mm. for a living which is 32 years in this coming January so 31 the January's just gone and I've always believed that there are times and moments when people want to say yes to God and to become what would classically be known as becoming a follower of Christ becoming a Christian yeah and so I don't want to not give opportunities for those people because that wouldn't be fair for them yeah but equally what about those people who are not in a place to do that and may not be in a place to that or maybe mm. um, but but no they need to investigate and no they need to look into it and spend a bit of time discovering you know what I hinted at earlier actually knowing what Christianity is all about before you say no to it but then also there's another dynamic whereby I like to issue a very genteel challenge. Oh, I like that word. Yes. That's the best word you use in the podcast so far. <laughs> uh, a very genteel challenge. Word of the week. Word of the, it's what we call pretentious, isn't it? That word. <laughs> um, uh, the challenge is this. Most people say they are open-minded. And I think most people are, actually, Tom. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I want them to afford that luxury to Christianity. Okay. So if you're open-minded, mm. become open-minded about Christianity you know it's that circle thing isn't it could Mm. God exist without me knowing about it well yes he could so become open-minded about it and for people who are open-minded about the Christian faith I like to encourage them to stay open-minded but not in some kind of inactive passive way so that it Mm. dissipates but to keep it kind of active so I wrestled for many many years about how in my talks could I facilitate that? So I, so I started to work on different levels of talks. There's a reason to believe that you mentioned that, which yeah. that was a, a way for people to investigate the Christian faith. So I started to help churches build these in and would, would put these on in different churches. And, um, and then I felt like I wanted a language to connect with the culture I'd established. So I wrestled around that for many many years and eventually came up with a language called big yes little yes healthy maybe and big yes is about creating opportunities and moments for people to say that big yes to essentially become a christian yeah to to, to go all in <laughs> little yes was about creating moments and opportunities for people to investigate the christian faith and now that could be because they start to believe there's a God. Yeah. But it could be that they just want to think, how do I get the most out of my life? 
Yeah. So it might be more sort of, for want of a better phrase, human focus and human centered. Yeah. Um, and then the healthy maybe was the open mindedness to encourage people to become maybe about God and Christianity, but keep it healthy, keep it alive. Okay, um, great. So that was the kind of language. So at the end of most of my talks, now I, I offer three ways for people to respond and we help churches to put in a, a kind of a process really to, to help people on that on that journey. That's really great. It just, it just helps wherever people are at uh, on this journey of looking closer. Absolutely. It just gives a, a language, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Tell us, Martin, you might want to share your, your story of recent events in, in this, but tell us finally, what does it mean for you to, to live well? Well, Tom, <laughs> don't you hate those speakers, Tom? You've got 45 seconds. 45 no. seconds? <laughs> no, it's fine. Okay, okay. Okay. Ignore that. Okay, you'll get it out. You'll get it down to the right length of time, I'm sure. <laughs> um, don't you hate those speakers who use all their life um, events as illustrations? <laughs> hate those. I determined I would never be one of those, Tom. And yet you do, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so in June, I had a heart attack. <laughs> So yeah, basically in, in in June I had a heart attack. It was it was a it, it was a shock, although I'm not gonna lie, I, I've not looked after myself in life. I've not lived well physically. I believe I've lived well spiritually, yeah. but I've not lived well physically. I've not looked after myself as well as I should. I'm from Bradford. I was birthed in Curry. I mean, come on, what <laughs> what are you supposed to do? What are you many many to do? of your events involve uh, yeah. Curry of some kind, <laughs> don't they? Right? Like called curry comedy and Christianity. <laughs> which, for those of you who don't know, involved curry comedy and some Christianity. Is, uh, Perhaps a little bit too much curry. Yeah, but um, always too much curry. Uh, and so, it's, and I, I, I had done exercise and running, but but not enough. And I'd always got reasons for not doing it, as I think most people do. But but essentially, that happened in June. I, I, and I was a little bit surprised by the emotional, in my arrogance, <laughs> I was a little bit surprised how it affected me. And I've definitely had a life reset. I'm definitely a different person from it because um, I could have died. Yeah. In truth, I could have died and left my two girls and my wife. And uh, that is... A fairly big trigger, isn't it? It's but... a massive trigger, yeah. right? massive trigger. So I've come out of that I don't think it's changed my perceptions on God, apart from my determined to uh, think about God more and be a bit more reflective about my faith mm -hmm. uh, and spend more time <clears throat> learning more about God personally. Yeah. But the, I guess the practical, physical thing of I've been on a, not a diet on a lifestyle change. So I've lost almost, almost, well, yeah, over, just over a stone and three quarters. Good work. Yeah, I'm pleased. I'm trying to get into the exercise. The good news is there was no damage to my heart. Everything's working fine. So it is very much a reset. I'm 49, so it's quite young mm. for it to happen. But actually, if I take this seriously, there's no way, there's no reason why, forgive me, not no way, there's no reason why I can't live well mm. physically Great. Uh, for the rest of my life. So, yeah. Was the brilliant Mark Greenwood again. I hope uh, you have been given a bit of a glimpse into some of the thoughts that go round Mark's head. And uh, what a what a thoughtful guy, as I said. So as I said, do check out Mark's book, Amazon.co.uk forward slash shop forward slash Tom Elliott UK double L double T and Elliot. If you are a person of faith, 
Uh, otherwise, do check out the Insiders Club, my friends. Uh, applicable to anyone. Uh, because inside the Insiders Club, there's some other great stuff. So do go and check that out. Well, friends, good to see you. Enjoy your week. And I'll see you next time. <laughs>